Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to My Millennial Career. My name is Shelley Johnson. I'm a HR consultant. Hey, Em. Hey, Shell. Emily Bowen here. And I'm all about the world of recruitment. Today on the show, we're joined by Jess Pearson, or we call her JP. And she's actually from the My Millennial Money team. She runs the marketing and communications. Hey, Jess. Thanks for having me. We are going to get into pretty interesting and some would say heavy topic today. We're going to be talking about redundancy. And Jess, we've invited you on to share a bit of your story because you're going to tell us about how you navigated the complexities of redundancy and what that meant for you in your career. And it's something many of us have to face in our career at some point. And it is a really tough journey. And so we want to really dig into it honestly, vulnerably. We'll share all the things that you've experienced and and the learnings you've had from it. But before we jump in and hit you with all the questions, we want to shout out to our show partner, Rarekind. Over 50 years of finding extraordinary people means Rarekind knows exactly what to look for. They find one-of-a-kind people, remarkable people, the kind of people who don't just fit into culture but help create it. If you want to find out more, head to rarekind.com.au. So Jess, Shelley is so right. In my experience, redundancy, you are not alone. It's something that many of our listeners, I'm sure, and many other people throughout their career beyond that have experienced or will experience, if I could be so bold as to to create that prediction. Hmm. Back in the day, uh, before our generation, it was something that was quite taboo and there was a stigma associated with it. But what I'm loving seeing throughout my career so far, which has now scarily been going on for more than 10 years, is that we're really breaking down that stigma and it's absolutely not tarnishing a resume anymore because of how common it is. It's almost a rite of passage. So thank you so much for being willing to share your experience. Do you mind just kicking us off by talking us through your story? Yeah, sure. So to give you guys a bit of a background, I had been in this specific role And it was a similar role to what I'm doing now. So it was within marketing. It was a bit more of a junior role. But at that point in the company, I was actually the only one that was within that marketing division or department. I had been there for nearly three years at that time. And it was right when COVID hit. Things were feeling really scary in corporate world. So there was a lot of unease. There was a lot of nervousness the word redundancy was being thrown around a lot. And a lot of people that I'd seen on LinkedIn were experiencing it as well. So it wasn't actually, it wasn't that I hadn't thought about redundancy. I just didn't think that it was going to happen to me. And so I remember the HR person at the time, I remember actually kind of, I made a joke about being made redundant. This was probably two weeks before it happened. And, um, and I remember saying, 
oh, you know, uh, we'll all get, you know, jobs as delivery drivers for Domino's. Not not that there's anything wrong with that. I was saying that, you know, we'll, we'll be right. Like, we'll be able to get another job somewhere. Yeah, so we were kind of joking around about it. Obviously, I think that was before anything kind of serious had materialised on, yeah, on, on that C-suite end. So, but essentially it all happened really quickly um, I was preparing to work from home the following day. And so I think that they wanted to do it in person before I started to work from home. And that was just due to COVID. So, um, yeah, pulled me into the office, happened really quickly. And, uh, yeah, that's my story. <laughs> And it's interesting. I'm sure there's so much more to it of actually processing and we're going to get into that in a sec. But talk to me about what that was like when you got the call up to come into the meeting. Can you walk me through the conversation? Who was in there? What was involved in that? Yeah, sure. So I was sitting at my desk. It was about four o'clock or something. I finished usually at about five and it was the HR person at the time who called me in and um, the CEO was there too. The CEO wasn't my direct report, but he was um, one of the people that I spent most of my time working with. Um, We had seven directors at the time, um, to which I kind of reported in different ways to all of them. Um, So, but the CEO was there and the HR person. um, The HR person was actually new at that point. So she had only been in that role for about a month or so, maybe a bit longer. So I didn't have, um, you know, that a relation, that longer relationship with her. She was, you know, new to the role, new to the team, new to me. Um, so the CEO was the person that really communicated the news. He did it in such a genuine and heartfelt way. And yeah, I, I, for me as a quite sensitive person, I could tell that it wasn't just a willy-nilly decision and having that empathy for the CEO, like he at the time looked, he looked very stressed. And I think even though it was a really hard moment for me personally, I was able to utilise my empathy and go, okay, well, it's not like they've just made this decision and and they think that it's not going to impact me. They know that it's going to have an impact on me. And, you know, they're just trying to do the best thing for the company at that point. So some of what I've have said just there is obviously things that I've developed in hindsight, but I mean, instinctually, I, in the meeting, I saw his eyes were red. I wondered if he'd been upset. Um, yeah, it was obvious. It was just a very stressful time for everyone. So um, yeah, but that, that was the meeting. And then essentially from, from there, they said, um, pack up your things and say goodbye. We will pay you out for the rest of this week and the following week. Um, it happened on a Wednesday. And yeah, then I said goodbye. I was waiting around for my uh, manager, who was my direct report. He was in another meeting. He was also one of the directors. So um, yeah, I was waiting around to say bye and said goodbye to all of the people that I worked with um, that were on my floor. And I drove home with a box of my things and uh, actually laid on the floor in my living room for about an hour, just, I think, just trying to process and understand what happened. I didn't call anyone on the way home. I was just trying to get things all, yeah, lined up in my head as to 
how to process it, what to do, what to say. And I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be in a rush to solve the problem. And I say problem with quote marks. I didn't want to be in a rush to just, you know, go and jump to something else. Um, I knew that I needed to take the time to, to process it all. It makes sense that as the only person working in that marketing space in the business that you know, just weeks prior, if not maybe days prior, you felt some level of security because it's worth calling out that when we talk about redundancy, it's not the person that is made redundant from a business. It's actually the role. It's the business identifying that there's no longer a need for that that role. And we can flesh that out a little bit more with Shelley's help as our HR professional through this conversation as much as we need to. I'm curious though, Jess, were there other Um, people impacted by redundancy at the same time? Yeah, there were. So there were two others that were also made redundant on that same day from different departments. And there were some other changes that happened uh, within the weeks following that, um, as in some people went to part-time. I think they were just trying to, I guess, cash flow everything uh there was about 65 employees at the time so it was a financial services firm i can't remember if i if i um mentioned that earlier but essentially you know they 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 their concern or their focus was to be servicing their clients so it makes sense that they retained the people that were you know on the ground servicing the clients at that time whereas you know it was such a difficult time. They weren't really thinking about getting more clients and, and um, you know, the brand perspective um, outside of wanting to service and, and do well for the clients that they already had on their books. That, that's the way that I, I would put it in my, in my words. It's a, a really interesting even just I've, as you're telling your story about driving home and you get home and you lie on the floor and you have these responses. And I, I think the important thing to call out in that is that these things and having been in HR for a long time and seeing redundancy processes work out a lot, there's so many different responses and it's such a shock. And even if you're prepared and you know that, oh, maybe there's a down, if there's a downturn in the industry and we're looking at job cuts and there's a restructure coming, whatever the scenario or lead up, it's still a really big shock. And I think it's important to call out, and I love, Jess, how you described your journey of, of leaving and going, I didn't call anyone. I just want needed the time to kind of sort it out in my own mind what had just happened. And if you're listening and, and your organisation is doing a restructure and organisations love to do, say to people, we're, we're going to go through a restructure and it's coming and we'll do a six-month process or whatever. If you're in an organisation right now and that's happening, I think it is helpful to hear that, that story of Jess and go, it's okay, whatever the response I have, if there's sh- it's okay to be completely shocked and unprepared and allow yourself the space to process in whatever way that looks like for you individually because you can't really prepare for this type of thing. There's actually uh, very much a grieving process. So 
you know, the five stages of grieving are something that you will move through when you have this big life change and particularly where it feels like it's not in your control, which redundancy typically doesn't. Uh, there are occasions where you might have heard about a voluntary redundancy and I guess that's a, a slightly different way of coming about this experience. But even then, there's a process of grieving that we all go through and something in my experience working with many people who have lost their jobs in this way that we've recognised is that it's not only you, but it's also potentially if you've got a partner at home, they go through a grieving process as well and they might be moving through it at different stages. So if we think about that grieving process being in five stages, there's not necessarily an order that everybody moves through and there's not necessarily a pace that everybody moves through that's the same. So it it's quite a complex topic when you start to layer it, not only with the practical business reasoning and the business case for the decision, but more importantly with the emotion that comes with that. And good on you, Jess, for recognising that not only was it your emotion at play, but also that of your CEOs and, and other people as well, because as you walk out of that meeting, you're packing up that box and you're saying goodbye to the people on your floor. I can only begin to imagine what was racing through some of their heads as well. Yeah, sure. Uh, and that was part of my concern as well, that a lot of people reached out to me from the company and I think they were all afraid at that time. You know, I think you can only do so much in terms of change management and communication internally within a company. People's emotions are still going to play on them. People are still going to have thoughts and, you know, interpret things in different ways. So I had a lot of people reach out and um, they were all so kind, you know, hope you're doing okay, Jess. We'll really miss working with you. Um, yeah, so I think they were, some of the comments that I'd heard was that they were, felt afraid for their positions as well at that time. People were saying to you like they were worried for themselves. Yeah, a, f a few people said, you know, if it could happen to you, then it could happen to any of us and who knows, you know, what could happen at, at this time. And, I mean, to be to be fair, who knows if they were just saying that to try and make me feel better. Can I ask, did, you f did that make you feel any better? Um, I'd like to say no, but mm. I think that, I don't feel good if other people felt afraid to lose their job. But I think that what it was for me was my own insecurity, my own challenge with my career trajectory, all kind of materialising at one point. And so I felt all of a sudden very, very insignificant. And for somebody else who I esteemed higher than myself to say it could happen to me as well. It made me feel somewhat less insignificant. It's probably, I'd like it to not be the right answer, but that's just the, the honest truth. I think in that moment I was experiencing, um, yeah, a lot of feelings, too many feelings. <laughs> Did you have any conversation with the HR person and or your CEO about the communication plan? So when you're in that room and they're delivering the news to you and how that's going to affect you mm. and that it's it's an immediate 
finish, mm. you're then walking out while people are still at their desks. Was there any conversation or agreement or strategy together about, okay, you're welcome to go and speak openly with people or alternatively, just don't say anything, just leave as normal today, we'll make another time for you to get your things because we're actually mm. going to communicate business-wide in you know, an email tomorrow. Or I guess I'm just spitballing some ideas and I'm curious if there was any conversation before you did leave that meeting. Yeah, we had, I can't remember if it was mentioned to me within that meeting in that afternoon or if it was mentioned to me post-leaving. I think that in hindsight, when I think and reflect about what happened, I feel as though within the meeting in that afternoon, the rest of that, the floor that I worked on, it was the least populated floor, but the people that I worked nearby, I think they were told while I was in the meeting. And so they kind of had a heads up. And so it was a a walk out, say goodbye to them, leave and go to my car. Whereas... Yeah, I'm just trying to recall because I know that – so we had an internal communications platform that was part of my role to set up. Um, So it was kind of weird to, uh, yeah, immediately have my access (laughs) removed. Uh, But I do know that they did post a communication that night, um, earlier, early that night, to let the writer team know because there's – we had multiple offices as well. So there were people that weren't in the office that wouldn't have heard via – you know, via verbal voice of somebody going, okay, bye guys. <laughs> uh, Can I ask Jess, how long were you there in that role for? So I was um, there for nearly three years. Okay. And yep. I initially, when I started, I did have, there was a manager. So there was another person within the marketing department, but I'd been, I guess, without the marketing manager for I'd say a year and a half, so a year and a half with someone there and a year and a half without. It's uh, Three years is quite a decent amount of time. Like I think I think the length of the time that you're in a business mm. for also impacts how mm. you process a redundancy because I've seen people who get made redundant and it's very difficult if you get made redundant er, like early on because you don't get a decent mm. pay and then notice period. But also it's it's got its own challenges when you've been there a while. And so three years, you've really developed those connections, those relationships and I'm just, again, going back to visualising all this outworking of you f- finishing the meeting and you're told, because yeah. it's pretty abrupt, I, totally. I think that's quite abrupt to have to finish then and there mm-hmm. and, and, and different businesses have different approaches. So I've worked in a number of environments where we'll say to someone who's been made redundant, we'd like you to choose how you want to finish. You can finish today and ma- maximise the notice period and just finish up, which a lot of people opt for. But actually, you can work a week or however long uh, to enable you the actual processing time and and help that person finish well because ultimately the business wants to really help that person. What was it like, the, the abruptness of it? How did you feel having to process, I've just gone into this meeting and all of a sudden I'm with, I'm today, that same day, an hour later, I'm driving home? Yeah. I mean, immediately within the meeting, uh, I think my body sensed it was happening as well. I, I was, I was shaking, like my hands were shaking. Um, yeah, I was quite shaken. As as I think about it now, I can remember how my body felt and just the the anxiousness within the moment. And um, 
yeah, it was it was quite scary. And it was hard. I think the hardest thing, or sorry, probably not the hardest thing, but one of one of the hard things was, well, I how do I just move on from all of the, the ideas and the plans that I'd had within my role? Those didn't go away. That actually took months to, I guess, dissolve. And sometimes still I see things or I have an idea about something and I think, Oh, like that would have been really good. So it's, um, yeah, it's interesting that it's not like, you know, you're made redundant or even if you're choosing to leave a workplace, it's not like you just leave a workplace and then all of a sudden you never think about it again. It's, um, as, as you said, Shell, when, when you're within a role for a certain period of time, you're invested in it and you're, you're, you're tied up in that role, um, in a lot of respects, a lot of people find their identity within their role or their title or their workplace, which not that it's um, not that that's the right way to go about it. But the truth is that a lot of us find at least some level of our identity in what we do with the majority of our time. And so, yeah, it's just it's such an interesting space. So I, I got made redundant. I drove home, laid on the floor. My boyfriend was already planning to come over and I and I knew that. So he walked in and found me on the floor and um, I, yeah, bless him. I don't know what he would have thought within that moment to just see me there like lying on the floor. I think I was, um, I think I was actually looking at Domino's to think about, okay, what I'm going to, this is what I'm going to eat for dinner. Can't <laughs> and the food. Next, yeah, <laughs> and the symboli- totally. I love the symbolism in that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Looking for food and then going, and my next job opportunity. Yep, that's I'd- my delivery driver job. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess then I think about the following day and I remember waking up at the normal time that I would usually wake up. And the next day I felt a bit numb, to be honest. I didn't know what to do with myself. Obviously, I didn't have any plans because I was going to be at work. And, um, yeah, I remember somebody posting on Facebook. They had a small business and they said, oh, we're looking for someone to help us with this. Can you tag someone that you recommend? I messaged them personally on Facebook and I just said, hey, I was actually just made redundant. I'd love to just do this or help you with this for free. Um you know, it only took a couple of hours and it just helped me to, I guess, um, use some of my brain power and, um, and I, and I guess just take up some time because I think, I think there is, there is processing like healthy processing. And I don't think 24 hours is enough time to just healthily process something like that. But I was conscious that I didn't want to just be, you know, left at home alone to my own thoughts, just, you know, thinking about it over and over again and and just dwelling on it. So I really tried to, I guess, kind of find some or do some balance between, okay, I've got a process and I've got, I want to take some action because I know that that is going to help me feel better as well. So I think I did work on my resume and updated my LinkedIn profile within 48 hours. Um, I posted a video on LinkedIn. I actually can't even remember if that was, I think that was a couple of weeks after. 
Um, and I just reflected on my experience and found that a lot of people on LinkedIn really got value from that. I had people, I had people messaging me for months saying, thank you so much for sharing your story. Like, and as I say this now, I just, I get goosebumps because I felt and I feel so blessed that me being able to share some of my story was helpful to others. And so it was just something really beautiful that came out of something that was hard. You speak so eloquently and with such an amazing perspective on this whole experience. And do not let this sound as if I'm trying to take away from your experience, but I can <laughs> see how other people might be in this in this situation at the moment thinking, gosh, she's just got it all together. Like even, you know, the day after and two weeks after, like I'm here, I'm a mess right now. Don't know what to do with myself. And this chick has just like taken control. And I know that it would not have been nearly as pretty as as maybe it sounds right now. And so again, I just want to keep taking the opportunity through this to say like, you know, you're two years past past this moment, but also everybody's journey is different and there's no right or wrong in these moments. If somebody needs to take an hour to lay on the floor or two weeks to lay on the floor, or even if you feel like you've taken six steps forward and then all of a sudden you need to take three back or you just need to stop, then it's totally okay. And so I love uh, hearing your story, Jess. And and on top of that, I I guess I just want to add that reminder to everybody that it is just yours and it's a source of inspiration and, and I hope power to people because so it should be. Yeah, um, totally. It's, it's also different for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I guess like I don't want to downplay what, what I experienced as well because it was, it was very challenging. I had a mortgage at the time. I was conscious of, you know, I, I lived alone. I was you know, single in terms of that I lived alone and and it was my responsibility to pay for all of my bills. And whilst I had an emergency fund and I had savings, that worry still played on my mind because I knew that there was, um, or it seemed as though there was a job shortage at the time. And that was, that was kind of the perception that like I, before I'd started looking, that was just the perception that I'd heard that, you know, people were just being made redundant and there wasn't a lot of opportunities. So it was um it was really it was really worrying. I wasn't eligible for any Centrelink payments. I think because of the redundancy package payout time frame. So and they were very generous. I'd never received that of like a lump of cash before. Um and even that itself actually was mind-blowing to the next day receive this uh, Combank notification that, you know, X thousand dollars had been deposited into my bank account was so strange. It was such a strange feeling for me. Um, but there was, there was so many ups and downs. There was a lot of tears, just a lot of crying, a lot of meltdowns, a lot of just, I mean, there was, there was good and bad. Like the the great stuff was being able to go for a walk in the middle of the day. Um, I loved that. It was just a, yeah, it was the best feeling to just be able to be like, oh, I'm not in a freezing cold air con where I have to wear gloves to keep my hands warm. <laughs> I just got to go for a walk and um, just try and 
try and enjoy <laughs> what I could and just try to take um, the moment as, as it was. Um, but it's definitely not easy to deal with. And what I would say is that if you are in this position or you're experiencing any type of, you know, mental health conditions or you're struggling with your thoughts at, in any way, then I would encourage you to go and get a mental health care plan. I think they are so invaluable in terms of um, the help that it can provide for you if you're experiencing something like this or even if it's outside of your career. Um, take it take it seriously and um, and make sure that you, you do everything that you can to get the help that you need. That's great, Jess. And it is really important to call out accessing those services that are available to you because like Em said, there's so many different responses. There's no right way to respond to this. There's so many different ways. And so getting the help is massively important. We're going to take a break right now and we're going to move through to, okay, well, what did you do after processing? How did you respond and what happened from there? Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we've created a bunch of different podcasts. So go and check out My Millennial Money, My Millennial Money Express, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business, and Gen Z Money. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. And we're back. And I love what you've shared, Jess. Thanks for sharing so vulnerably. I can hear in your story, there's so many different aspects happening there's the processing of what just happened. It's very abrupt exit and finish. And then there's the uncertainty of the future. And there's all these bills that need to be paid. There's so much pressure that's on us that we probably don't realize when we're just in our jobs that all of a sudden this really important part of our lives is removed and we're left with, holy crap, what do we do now? And at the mm. same time, if I can insert in there, trying to actually enjoy it for what it is, you know, find those silver linings like a midday walk and be very present and in the moment and think to yourself, I won't be unemployed forever. Yep. So what can I actually enjoy that's a bit of a perk of this situation I found myself in? Like that, you know, that's a challenge in itself. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And so what did you do from here to move through the experience? How did you know what to do next? I guess I, I didn't really know what to do next, but if I'm anything in my personal life, then I'm definitely a planner and I like things to be organized. And so when I looked at the time frame until I was eligible for Centrelink, it was actually a couple of months all up. 
So I knew that I knew that I I had a buffer and I had space to work within that that didn't really stop the anxiety of oh I need a regular income. Like it didn't really stop it, but I had to remind myself it's okay, it's going to be all right. I I am so blessed that my my family um you know were were you know very nice to me. They said, you know, if you need anything, we are here for you um emotionally um financially they i had i guess that extension from my family and not everyone's is not everyone is always in that position so i i was really grateful to i guess i felt as though i had multiple things to fall back on in saying that i still experienced the oh my gosh i need a job but what i did was i yeah i looked at the time frame and i just thought i took some time to think about what i would like to do next in terms of my career and you know i did think do i want to go and do something else i did actually resolve i will apply for any job that interests me in some way so i took it as a bit of a learning experience looking at you know what types of jobs were out there that i think that i thought that you know maybe if i had i had no experience in but i could enjoy it or be good at it. So, I actually did apply for a I did apply for a, a Domino's delivery driver position. Oh, so good. <laughs> and guess what? Even Domino's didn't want me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, in terms of action, I looked at my time frame. I looked at the resources that I had around me, and I started to think really practically you know, when you're looking for a job, you, you do work on your LinkedIn, you work on your resume. Um, I was getting other, you know, I guess professionals to look at my resume as a favor. Once I had updated it, I I went and all designed it really nice. I was so happy with the way that it looked and, um, and yeah, enjoyed that as a, as a project. And so I just tried to focus on the practical things that I could do and that I could enjoy and and not just rush through them like oh my gosh I've got to get my resume done I've got to do this I've got to do yada 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 and not get caught up in the hustle of um you know trying to move on and I so I think that that knowing that time frame was scary but also good it was like a good reminder okay you've got you've got time and also you can't do everything in one day it's it is just continuing the process through one of the mechanisms for support that can be offered throughout a redundancy experience is called outplacement. So that's not a very intuitive term. It's It's a terrible term. term. I don't use it. I I would say career transition. Yeah, career transition support is definitely becoming more and more (laughs) the terminology that will be used. So old school. (laughs) But look, it's still out there. So I wanted to make sure we inserted it somewhere into this episode because if you are experiencing redundancy and Jess, it sounds like this wasn't a part of um, what was offered to you. It's not always, but it is where uh, the organisation, the employer can actually pay an outplacement provider or a career transition support provider to provide you with a program. And so that's usually a few sessions of one-on-one coaching. It might be some online material, some uh, assistance in getting your resume up to speed. 
And if your organisation does offer that to you as part of your redundancy package, I would highly recommend that you take advantage of it because you will learn something even if you only take away one thing. But in the instance where just, you know, you haven't been offered that, I guess I'm curious to know, asking for help can be quite daunting, particularly when perhaps you're feeling a bit insecure and don't let me put, you know, words in your mouth, but I'm just thinking generally that can be one of those feelings that's associated with this experience. Were there people in your network that you did reach out to and and what did that look like as you started to take action? Yeah, totally. I think that part of my process was when I decided that I wanted to own the experience for me and when I decided that I didn't mind what people thought because it was my experience, that's when I started to utilise LinkedIn specifically to use that to tell part of my story. So I actually shared a post on LinkedIn I think it was the end of that week and I just thanked my um I thanked the directors that I'd worked with for the opportunity to work for the company and I really had to be intentional to be grateful. And so but when I started to share on LinkedIn people naturally started to reach out to me already just people within my LinkedIn network not even I mean, a lot of people that I knew in real life, of course, but a lot of people that I didn't know in real life and hadn't been face-to-face with, um, funnily enough, and it's probably a whole other story, but the way that I met Glenn James was also through LinkedIn. So I'm a big LinkedIn fan. <laughs> if you don't know who Glenn James is, Glenn James end- ended up becoming Jess's boss. <laughs> um, he runs My Millennial Money. Jess, can you tell us how, how did that come about? You, you've had people reaching out to you on LinkedIn. You eventually connected with Glenn. What happened? Like, and talk to us about the application process for you. Did you apply for lots and lots of jobs or did you just fall into the gig that you've got now? What did that look like? Yeah, sure. So the time frame between jobs for me was three months or three to four months, which for me that felt like forever. And I had also filled a lot of my time doing freelance work as well. Um, I had applied for so many different jobs. So I, I was at a point where I was you know, feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm getting near to the end of that time frame that, you know, I wanted to have a job by. I didn't just want to, um, default to, um, to Centrelink at that, at that point, if, if I could avoid it, um, that was my preference. Um, but really grateful that that was there as, you know, as a backup plan and, and as that support. So I had met Glenn on LinkedIn, not in person, a couple of years before that year that I was made redundant. And funnily enough, he had posted this photo of him photoshopping himself um, with these other financial advisors at the time. And he had photoshopped um, himself, you know, placing himself in between them and and did a bit of a shout out um, to congratulate them. I think it was on an award. I don't know why, 
that I did this, but I took the photo and I photoshopped it a little bit better. And and <laughs> this was bef- this was before I actually was made redundant. This was years prior to being made redundant. I also didn't know Glenn, so who knows why I would spend my time photoshopping for <laughs> some random on the internet, essentially. But I did do it. I don't think he was very impressed. I, I just, uh, it was kind of like a non, I don't even know if he would even remember it. I have asked him about it before, but yeah, it was, um, I don't know why for me that it kind of stands out because I'm like, isn't that funny that, you know, he kind of knew about me. And interestingly enough, I had, I had heard of my millennial money through the industry. So through financial services, there was an estate planning lawyer who, had posted a photo with the My Millennial Money tote bag um, on LinkedIn, and that's how I'd first seen it. And at that point, I had gone on Facebook and joined the Facebook group, and so I was part of that whole ecosystem um, and, you know, just part of the community in a really natural way. And so when Glenn started looking for – he was looking for a graphic designer part-time – and he had posted it on Seek, I believe, and he'd shared the Seek link in Facebook, in the Facebook group. And one of my friends actually tagged me in it because I hadn't seen the post. And she was like, oh, you should do this. And it was a very, it looked very competitive um, because there was a lot of a lot of people tagging each other. And it was fully remote. Yep. It was all across Australia. I remember when we have, like put that ad out. It, and so it would have been open for so many people to access. Yeah. And so I was looking at other people, you know, commenting and I was like, no, nah, I don't have a chance, but I applied anyway. Um, and so I had an interview with Glenn at some point. I can't remember the time frame. It was probably a week or two weeks after I mean, the interview went for over an hour. It was very long. Or it felt very long for me. And, um, yeah, at the end of the call, it was kind of straight to salary negotiation, essentially. So that was... Uh-huh. Class- that's classic Glenn James. <laughs> like, all right, done deal. All right, let's, let's move do it. On. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, Em and I are like, no, you should definitely have two to three interviews, please. Also, but- let's just check that this person still wants to work for you. <laughs> yeah. like, it's not a unilateral decision. <laughs> But anyway, and so by the end of the call, you're like, you're getting the thumbs up. Well, he obviously must have really liked you in that because there was a lot of interest. I remember that um, whole process. Just so many people would not plan, you know, you're a planner. You've shared that. I get it. I'm a planner too. But so many people would not see redundancy coming. They wouldn't have a full understanding of it. And so all of a sudden they're smacked with this curveball when they thought they were on one particular trajectory in this financial services business, you know, a friend of a friend. And that's kind of blown out of the water. Reflecting now with hindsight and and being a couple of years post this experience in a job that I think I can say that you love from from all accounts so far. Yep. <laughs> have you got any perspective that you can share on, I guess, capturing in your career, what this has done for you? You know, has it taken you off track? Has it, in your mind, taken you five steps back on your trajectory? Or has it actually taken you in an unexpected way and Mm. boosted you forward? When I think about everything that has happened and I think about it 
um, in the, the sequence that it happened as well, I can definitely look back and I'm just so, so grateful that things have turned out the way that they did because I really don't think that I could have planned it to work out this way. And I think that's the key. Like I, there is no way I could have planned to do this myself. So there's, yeah, I think there's a balance between like, okay, well, things are just, things are happening. Things happen sometimes without our, um, you know, without our plans behind them. And so I just, I feel really so grateful. I feel as though I can't take any credit for it at all. Um, I just feel super lucky that this is the way that things have turned out for me. Look, there's perhaps a little bit of luck in everything, but I'd like to throw that one back at you and say that it was way more than just good luck. Listening to your story tells me that loud and clear. And it's isn't it funny? We'll never know, but you kind of go, oh, if you were still working in that same job, if redundancy had not happened, and if that three or four months, you know, post what we now know, Glenn James had still done the same thing. He'd still posted this job ad in the Facebook group. I dare say that there's a chance that you wouldn't have applied. No, and I wouldn't have. You, you wouldn't be doing no. the things that you're doing right now. So, yeah. yeah, it's always a funny thing to reflect on. I think that's a beautiful place for us to, I guess, close this conversation with. And, and Jess, I just want to say thanks so much for being so vulnerable and sharing what has been a, a really difficult journey and what many of us have to face in our careers. And I love that whole concept. And even, Em, when you're just talking there of, we can plan and we should be planning for our careers, but we should also plan for the unexpected yeah. and allow ourselves to go on that journey in its fullness, not kind of creating shortcuts, but planning for the uncertainty and then taking those opportunities. And also the other thing I love in your story is the power of network that you'd built this relationship two years prior with Glenn and who knows when that stuff becomes um, important and necessary for us in the future. So, so much gold in what you've done and the way you've responded to something that was really difficult and that that's actually propelled your career forward rather than being this blocker or something that holds you back. So, hey, great to chat with you all. And I know we'll chat online probably today, <laughs> later on in the day. Um, but thanks, Jess, for sharing your story and thanks, Em, for hanging out. Oh, it's always a pleasure. But look, let me just echo that. This has been such a nice learning, a beautiful conversation. So thank you, JP. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. We'd love for you to share the show with someone, share it with a friend, share it far and wide, as far and wide as you can. And if you enjoy it, please make sure you give us a five-star rating review. We love your feedback and it helps us to get the show out there and that's really important to us. So thanks heaps. See ya. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Hey, thanks for listening. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we've created a bunch of different podcasts. So go and check out My Millennial Money, My Millennial Money Express, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business and Gen Z Money. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 